Alternative News brought to you by Romina Betsin from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament produced at the community radio station 3CR. Good morning, listeners. This week's special guest speaker is John Spate. John is the executive chairperson of the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament, CICD. John is an ex-trade union official, President of the Australian Labour Party in Victoria, State President of the AMWU, current President of FAGO for Pensioners and the President of Mayday Committee. This morning, John will speak about the link between arms sellers and so-called need to rearm. John will also speak about the US and Australian military spending and the AUKUS and the cost involved building the submarines. For most Australians, the Prime Minister's announcement that our nation has formed a new pact with the US and the UK, known as AUKUS, came as a complete shock, especially as war on China is its primary agenda. The US, UK and Australia announced on Tuesday, 5th April, that they agreed to cooperate on hypersonics and counter-hypersonics and electronic warfare capabilities. This is actually one of the extended programs of the AUKUS Military Alliance, a trilateral partnership that initially aimed to help Australia to acquire nuclear-powered submarines. Thank you, John, for coming on Alternative News. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'd first like by acknowledging that that I'm speaking for the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to the elders past, present, and acknowledge that this is Aboriginal land, always was and always will be. What I'm proposing to do is, uh, arising from uh, my annual general meeting report, indicate a link that's between the arms sellers and the so-called needs to rearm. COVID, I'm sure people understand, was catastrophic for many industries, but not the arms industry, because the arms orders usually span over several years. Arms companies have, are able to make gains on orders placed before the outbreak of the health crisis. Arms companies also benefit from COVID support measures, as well as from the stimulus measures in many countries. According to the Stockholm and International Peace Research Institute, their report in 21, sales of military equipment by the world's top 100 arms sellers rose to 531 billion American dollars in the year 2020. That's an increase in real terms of 1.3% against the Stockholm Institute's from the, the 2019. However, since 2018, the top five companies in the ranking have been based in the United States. The United States has ended its wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, but military spending is most likely to continue increasing. The House of Representatives overwhelmingly passed a defence spending bill for $768 billion American dollars in December 2021. The bill increased the Pentagon's budget by uh, $24 billion, more than the President Joe Biden requested and is expected to pass easily in the Senate. And I'm sure of uh, recent activities around the world that they'll have no problems about passing that. 
Some of the main beneficiaries from this spending increase will be American military contractors. These companies are tasked, not only arms as we understand, but are tasked with research and development of new arms and defence systems, as well as providing arms, munitions, vehicles, navigation systems and more to the United States military. Worldwide, there are dozens of companies that sell billions of dollars each year to armaments and military services. Some companies that mix arms sales with other forms of industry are increasing their weapon manufacturing profile. Just as an example, arms and military services jumped from 44% of Boeing's total sales to 55% from the years 2019 to the years 2020, the largest percentage jump of any major military contractor in the world, while Airbus, being the 13th largest arms and military service provider, moved from being the 13th largest arms and military service provider to being the 11th in the same period. Now, I'm sure that your listeners would be tuned into some of the statements that have been made by politicians on both sides, actually, and really promoting the arms industry in Australia. Australia is spending up big on rearmaments, but questions arise of how efficient that spending is. An important example of that is the Joint Strike Fighter Program. Australia's Air Force Chief has signed off on a $16 billion Joint Strike Fighter Program, despite acknowledging deficiencies with the aircraft and the support system of that aircraft. The Guardian Australia, as I understand it, had asked the Defence to clarify the natures of the Defence deficiencies and how they can be considered acceptable. At the time of this address, no answer has been received. The United States Government Accountability Office has stated that the F-35 fleet was failing to meet its available targets. Now, this contract is with Lockheed Martin. That is the number one arms seller in the world over that period of time that from uh, the Stockholm Institute was indicated. 40 of the planned 72 F-35 JSF aircraft intended to replace the F-18 Hornets have already arrived and the final ones are expected to be delivered in the late 2023. Another example is the Jinder Lee Operational Radar Network, which support the Australian Defence Forces Air and Maritime Operations, including search and rescue, while also providing strategic surveillance. Now, this contract is with BAE Systems. That's number six in the world, the arms company. And on this occasion, this was reported to be, be and it may go up, uh, $1.1 billion to upgrade for a long-range over-the-horizon radar network, including plans to modernise command and control system at the Royal Australian Air Force Base at Edinburgh, South Australia, and three radar sites at Longreach in Queensland and Leverton in Western Australia and Alice Springs and in the Northern Territory. The upgrade was meant to compete by 2029, but the dates of all the key milestones are now listed as to be advised, whatever that means. The upgrade project has experienced persistent lags in delivering the engineering programs, mainly due to the contractor, and uh, the contractor on this occasion has indicated before it's BAE Systems Australia, apparently underestimating how complex it would be. 
Now, BAE has delivered new plans to the government, resulting in delays are anticipated for several years, and the delays are considered unrecoverable. Also on the menu of the Australian rearmament are helicopters and tanks. The Australian Defence Force, we've been told, will scrap its 47 European-designed Taipan defence helicopters and replace them with 40 Black Hawk and Seahawks from the United States at a cost of $7 billion. The Morrison government has agreed to spend $3.5 billion purchasing 120 new tanks and other armoured vehicles. The government is also seeking contracts to build hundreds of armed vehicles over the coming years. The estimated purchase over that time is $27 billion. deal with AUKUS now. In September 2021, the Morrison government announced that Australia would join a trilateral security agreement known as AUKUS with the United States and the United Kingdom. One result has been to scrap the plan to build 12 French-designed diesel submarines in Australia at a cost of over $400 million. It's been estimated that was the initial estimate of the loss of this contract. I understand it's getting close to about $5 billion. Uh, Australia has already spent uh, $2.4 billion on the French submarines up to this stage. Now, I understand the total cost will be close, as I indicated, about $5 billion. While nuclear-powered submarines are faster and quieter than conventional-powered ones, that's diesels, they are less nimble in shallow coastal waters, that's what Australia is, and so not so good in defending the the coastlines and ports, according to many of the military analysts. There are political issues, too, dealing with this. The Australian nuclear submarines will not be able to dock in New Zealand at this stage because they've got a policy of no nuclear-powered um, vessels in, in New Zealand. There's also, there'll be a problem if they try and go into the Pacific Islands at the present time. And I think, or oh, this is my understanding, it is quite possible that nuclear submarines may be used as an act as a Trojan horse for the introduction to Australia of nuclear-powered reactors for civilian use. Now, has been quite a few statements been made by some of the conservative peoples in the Australian that this is a golden opportunity to actually get nuclear power in Australia on the basis that it will help bring down, if we're going to transmit to a carbon-free economies. So they're already starting the propaganda as it's going. There's also a, an issue with the fuel. Now, these are weapon-grade uh, reactors on these submarines. Nobody knows if any nuclear waste from these submarines, where are they going to be stored in Australia, returned to one of the other countries in the trilateral agreement, and also what happens if there's a leak. There were a couple of sub. I understand there was a couple of submarines, a French one and a British collided and crashed underwater in 2009. In 2012, a leak from that one of those submarines, the British submarine, HMAS Vanguard, 
incidentally, a similar model that the British are talking about uh, making for Australia, but it was concealed from the public for two years and cost, as I understand, $227 million just to fix that. There has been other occasions where other submarines have uh, been leaking as well around the world. One reason the UK and the United States to be interested in the AUKUS agreement might be the source of their assistance to their own struggling submarine manufacturers. As I understand, two days after the news of AUKUS alliance came out, the UK Defence Secretary announced a $320 million grant for BAE Systems and Rolls-Royce to develop the next generation nuclear submarines. As far as America is concerned, Forbes has said that Orcasteel could underwrite the major improvements to the United States Navy outdated uh, submarine facilities. So it's quite possible part of this deal will be for us to jack up and support shipyards overseas. And obviously, CICD calls on the Australian government to fully withdraw from AUKUS. Yes, John, as you quite rightly indicated, the cost of building the proposed nuclear-powered submarines, maintaining them through their operational lives, building the necessary facilities for their construction and maintenance will likely cost hundreds of billions of dollars. With all these billions, how can the Australian government protect our community and deal with the pandemic and environmental crisis? Budgets for socially useful items will be raided to finance this military spending. Public health, housing, education, welfare, indigenous rights and much more will be starved of funding. Many more Australians will sink below the poverty line. So thank you, John, for an enlightening and informative presentation and do hope to have you on Alternative News more often. Thanks very much, Romina. Tune is Radiothon on 3CR. Chip in a few dollars to keep alternative news on the air for another year. Head to 3cr.org.au slash donate and nominate alternative news. Brought to you by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament on 3CR since 1976.